Welcome back to the Read the Roster podcast. I'm Ross. And I'm Reed. And after a week off due to sickness and busy schedule, and then last week having some technical difficulties, we are officially back. I will probably be trying to post the episodes we tried to record last week. Again, had some technical difficulties, couldn't get them up. Uh, Hopefully that's fixed now. Uh, but we are back. We will continue to do these throughout the season. I promise we are not going anywhere. We plan to keep doing this thing. Reed and I love football way too much to not be doing this. Uh, needless to say, it was a crazy week seven of college football. This is going to be our week eight preview and quick thoughts from week seven. Check the show out. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Read the Roster, on Twitter at Read the Roster. Please interact with us during all these matchups. We want to hear your thoughts as the games unfold. And we also want to hear your reactions to stuff we say on the show. We want to interact with as many people as possible, get as many thoughts. And if we see anything, we might share it here on the show between each other, kind of react to what's going on. And, yeah, like I said before, Week 7 was absolutely bananas, man. Yeah, it sucked having to deal with – all that stuff that was kind of out of, out of our control last week. I had a few texts of where the episodes were and how to explain that a few weeks ago about, like you said, sickness and different schedules and stuff like that. And then, of course, we can't post them because of the website and we got a few texts about that. So it just sucked, you know, kind of having a two-week break that we didn't really intend for, but we're back now and just got to make the most of it. Like I said, uh, I will do, be doing my best to post the shows uh, that we did record last week. Uh, please go back and listen to those. Uh, we do give a full deep dive into week seven and our thoughts of how crazy this week could have been. Also give quick reactions to week six. Like I said, we didn't have episodes for that week, but we do react to kind of some of the big high points of what happened. Uh, but with all that kind of stuff out of the way, let's jump right into our reactions from week seven. I cannot understate how crazy this week was. We saw a bunch of big matchups. I think this is probably the most statement weekend we've had where as far as teams assert themselves as the real deal and some teams we have questions about now going forward. Yeah, I mean, not to like reiterate it, but I think it might just be because I've paid more attention this year, but this has been one of the craziest years, if not the craziest year of college football I've ever witnessed in my life. And with – well, I guess we'll get into it later, but with Tennessee winning over Alabama and USC losing to Utah with, like you said, two statement wins and kind of statement losses, really, it's just a really wild weekend to see. So, week eight, uh, every weekend of college football is good, and it always seems to me that the weekends that you don't expect a whole lot to happen, a whole lot happens. Uh, but with week eight being a little bit less juicy of a schedule, we probably will spend just a tad bit more kind of recapping some of these matchups because, like I said, a lot of big stuff did happen. Uh, so starting off, a uh, couple week seven reactions. Penn State goes on the road, loses to Michigan 41-17. to What were your thoughts about this game? Not really anything too surprising. I think we both kind of picked Michigan in this game pretty easily. I mean, we're not – neither of us are really huge fans of Sean Clifford. My, I myself is am a huge fan of J.J. McCarthy. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards played really good in this game. I think Michigan, top four team in the country, top five team in the country. I think their game against Ohio State is going to be really good. But, I mean, I didn't really expect too much going in this game with how good Michigan is how how good Penn State is. I just wanted to see what Penn State's defense could do against this Michigan offense. Jim Harbaugh tries to play bully ball. He wants to run it down your throat, control the clock, and get some big plays and play action. And when you least expect it, I think J.J. McCarthy did a really good job in this game. That interception is just kind of unfortunate. Really good play by the defense more than anything. It's crazy to think that Penn State was up at 1.17-14 with like somewhere under 45 yards of total offense. It's insane to believe that. Uh Sean Clifford had that one big run, and otherwise Penn State was non-existent on offense because of that pick six, like I previously stated. Um, Michigan's run game is the real deal. This offense <coughs> flows through Blake Corum. Uh, I still think Donovan Edwards is a great number two piece uh, to what Blake Corum's doing on the ground. I think J.J. McCarthy is a big-time step up from what Cade McNamara brought last year. Uh, but the thing that impressed me the most was Michigan's defense. You know, you and I both had questions about the Penn State offense, but this Michigan defense showed up to play. The edge guys, rightfully so, there was questions. David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson off to the NFL doing their thing. 
it's hard to replace that caliber of talent. And, you know, these guys are stepping up, making big time plays. Penn State was unable to do anything on the ground. And their two freshman running backs, you could have swore that they were going to make a bigger impact on this game. And they just didn't. The Michigan defense showed out. And Penn State just looked like little brother in this game. I think it's just what we've seen and kind of what we stated in maybe some of our first few episodes or maybe the ones that we tried out and we didn't post. But Michigan's the, Michigan just always has dudes on defense, always has a consistently good defense. Like you said with Aiden Hutchinson, I think he was poised for a huge uh, junior year. Uh, he was hopped up, thought he was going to be number one pick in the draft, and he lived up to it. David Ajabo kind of – came on strong, and if he didn't tear his Achilles, I think he could have went top 15. And we've – Daxton Hill, uh, another guy that a lot of people loved, uh, Devin Bush, Josh Uche. I mean, they just constantly have guys coming out of Michigan, and this game – Jabril Peppers. Say, just proved why in this game that if you want to play some good defense, you go to Michigan, and they really just shut out Penn State. Obviously, the big game of the weekend, Alabama goes on the road and loses to Tennessee 52-49. to uh, This game was insane. Tennessee had multiple chances to pull away. I feel like Alabama had a chance to win this game, even though they made tons of mistakes, had tons of penalties. But Tennessee eventually wins this one on a crazy knuckleball field goal. You and I were literally watching it happen and were in disbelief that the ball actually made it through because you and I were both looking at each other like, This is about to go to OT, and Bama's going to find a way to eke this one out. Well, they don't, and Tennessee finally wins its first one against Bama in 15 years. This Tennessee offense might be the best one in the country after all that talk of Ohio State. Um, To do this to an Alabama defense, whether it's at home or on the road, I mean, they've had high-quality performances against multiple teams this year, and it's hard not to believe Tennessee's the real deal now. I just – I have the same thought in my mind that I think I mentioned it on here. Maybe I I didn't, but it's really given me 2019 LSU vibes. Even in LSU's game with Bama, with how dominant they were the whole entire year, how they blew out every other opponent. I know that Alabama team is way better than the Alabama team that they're putting on the field now. Alabama didn't play their best game when they played 2019 LSU, too. It was hurt. Huge turnovers, stuff like that, and that's the same thing with the, this Tennessee game. Didn't play a great game and still only lost by three points. I mean, great game by Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt went absolutely crazy. But like you said, I mean, with how bad Alabama played and how bad this team is, I think it's just a statement to Alabama. And, I mean, yeah, you hate to give them praise, but you just hate to hate greatness basically. But Nick Saban's the greatest football coach of all time, college football coach for sure. But Alabama didn't play a great game. This Tennessee team is no joke. I'm not taking anything away from them. Like I said, it's giving me 2019 LSU vibes. Everything just kind of matched up for them. They have amazing offensive firepower, but their defense has proven to be a weak link, and I think it might get exposed later on down the road. It's just how far can this offense take them, even though I think it is really far. But I think everything just matched up for Tennessee. And like you said, playing in Neyland is its a tough place to play and tough place to get a win. So that's one thing I actually wanted to ask you. You know, the Tennessee defense, while they did struggle, this Alabama offense does have a pretty good amount of talent on it. Now, we haven't seen it all come together in Bryce Young, obviously, probably not 100% for this game. But whether he was 85%, 90%, you know, 83%, whatever the number may have been that he was ready to go for this game. Bama still has talent. They always have talent. They recruit like a juggernaut because they are one. I feel like, though, we still got to give Tennessee some kind of credit defensively because there were moments in this game where Alabama just looked confused. And granted, there was the same thing Bryce Young dealt with last year, drops, what seemed like bad routes in my opinion. Right now, Crazy enough, I think you and I both agree. The best wide receiver on that team is Isaiah Bond, true freshman. Jermaine Burton drops. 
He's not consistently getting separation. Treshawn Holden seems like he can get open, but he's not really a run-after-the-catch guy, and he's not really out there making these highlight big-time catches. He's just kind of like a, a just a good guy to have out there. I mean, he's probably a top three guy on their roster in the receiver position, but I don't know how higher, much higher he is than that. JoJo Earl seems like he's still trying to get healthy. You and I weren't really aware of him kind of dealing with those injuries at the beginning of the season. And that guy they got from Louisville still hasn't played. So, with that being said, and Latu, who's also good in his own right, I mean, even with all that, Bama is still talented no matter what because they recruit well. But I feel like we still got to give Tennessee's defense a little bit of credit for how they just seem to take stuff away from Alabama when that's not stuff we're used to seeing even though we saw it against a team like A&M who has that vaunted, crazy defense. And I feel like that's the only team that's really done it all year besides them in Texas. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the only reason that they won. Like, I get their offense scored the points, but at the same time, their defense got to go out there, stop plays, make plays, keep them off the field. And like you said, I think, honestly, Bryce Young proved with – and also another thing, Will Anderson – Nowhere to be found during that game. I don't know what they did, but he was not a factor in this game at all. And that's something we're not used to seeing from, in my opinion, the number one player in his draft class. It's just they completely – And it's not the first time this season that's happened. Like they completely – he hasn't been on his game this year, and I think we kind of saw that. And I think the Texas game, he was jumping off sides. He was hitting people late. I don't know what's going on with him, but he was a non-factor in this game. But to get back to Bryce Young, I think he proved, like you said, with the terrible receivers and the terrible offensive line play that he's had to deal with this year. And to go back like what you said, a true freshman is arguably your best receiver. I think it's between him and Cameron Law, too, and maybe even Jameer Gibbs. I mean, that's that's a lot to say about your wide receiver room, but I think he proved with the talent that he had to deal with. I think he just proved that he's the best player on the field. He went out there. He did what he could. Just It was just Tennessee's night. They were in their element. But Bryce Young came out and played an insane game one week after coming off a throwing arm shoulder injury, which is hard to do. But he played a great game. He just couldn't carry it all on his own. Amazing win by Tennessee and Knoxville. A huge win for Josh Heupel in this program. You got to think that matchup against Georgia, you and I know we're anxiously awaiting that. That's going to be a huge one. It's going to be the biggest matchup of the year. If Tennessee can manage to squeak by Kentucky, not this weekend, but the next weekend. And Georgia has to keep its focus against Florida. Exactly. If those two teams go into that matchup undefeated, it's going to be absolutely bananas to try and watch what unfolds because this is the best Tennessee team we've seen since Team Martin and Peyton Manning were there, and Georgia is obviously trying to repeat its success from last year, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens going forward. Then we got Oklahoma State going on the road, TCU, get beaten overtime. At one point, I think they led like 24. Let me look. They had a, a pretty surmountable lead and then end up giving that up. Yeah, it's twenty four to thirteen at one point, twenty four to seven actually, uh, at its biggest biggest jump. But Tennessee or Tennessee. TCU showed a lot of fight, got back in this game. Quentin Johnston is an animal. I think you and I have mentioned that multiple times on multiple shows. Max Duggan is also a really good quarterback for TCU. He's kind of that dual threat type of guy. And same thing for Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State, uh, that you were saying about Bryce Young. We're finally getting good Spencer Sanders, but he can't do it on his own. And this defense is just not the same defense we saw from Oklahoma State last year. They didn't lose that many guys, but I guess they lost enough to where they're taking a significant step backwards from what they did last year. This is a huge win for TCU, a program that's really been struggling the past couple of years. Uh, The Big 12 is completely wide open. You know, you still got Texas who's in at Oklahoma State with only one loss. You know, do they get back in it? If they could rematch with TCU, do they beat them? TCU, could they take it? I mean, Kansas State's not out of it either. And even though Kansas now has its second loss, again, they're still technically not out of it either. So the Big 12 is completely wide open. It's a movie theater of uh, who's who of who's on offense, playing amazing football, and random defensively 
you know, great showing. So huge win for TCU, and this is a tough one for Oklahoma State. Yeah, honestly, I thought, like you said, if you get a good Spencer Sanders and this defense can play somewhat decent, I mean, it's going to be tough to beat Oklahoma State. TCU is a great football team. I think they've showed that over the past few weeks. I've definitely underestimated them going to this football game, but like you said, I was very hopeful for Oklahoma State's defense going into this, even though they did lose their defensive coordinator. And like you said, they didn't lose a whole lot of guys. They just aren't the same as last year. I don't think the team as a whole is the same as last year because, I mean, what, they finished the year as a number six or something like that, and now they're probably in the 20s, maybe. So this is not the same team. And Spencer Sanders, great quarterback, like you said, he can't do it on his own. And as of right now, he's having to, and he just can't rely on that defense anymore. So, and I think it's just a testament to how good Spencer Sanders is of carrying this team that close and to win it against TCU, who I think is a well-rounded football team, especially like you said with Quentin Johnston. It's honestly it's a tough one for me to see because I like Oklahoma, I like Spencer Sanders, but great win for TCU, honestly. Next, USC on the road at Utah. I think you and I both, unfortunately, you know, like I said, if, if I can get this episode up from last week, you guys need to go back and listen to it. Uh, you and I both kind of questioned what USC would be able to do in this game. Uh, the offense actually played pretty well against a pretty decent Utah defense. I think both of us still kind of suspect that they're pretty decent. Uh, Utah just got kind of gutsy, went for the two-point conversion at the end of the game. They got it. Huge win for Utah, knockoff USC. Now, I think this is kind of different than what you and I expected if USC were to lose because the offense had just kind of hit so many cold streaks in the past uh, couple of weeks. But the offense did what it needed to do. And Lincoln Riley up to his old tricks and can't put a defense on the field. I was really shocked by this one. I didn't think – like. I've said before, I'll say it again. I'll probably keep on saying it. I was not a, I'm not a huge fan of Utah. I didn't think they stood a chance in this game. I didn't whatever. And they came out and proved me wrong. Cam Rising, great quarterback. I think it's Dalton Kincaid, one of the best tight ends in the nation. I think he's top five in yards, receptions, touchdowns, or something crazy like that. Like, he's a really good tight end. Like you said, a stout Utah defense. Really surprised USC couldn't pull this one out. Their offense should be one of the best in the country, but it keeps going back to the same old. If you can't rely on just an offense or just a defense for most games, you're going to have to have be able to put somewhat of both on the field at the same time or in the same game, and they just haven't been able to do that so far. And if their offense isn't clicking, this is going to be a bad USC team, and it's just not looking – good for their, honestly, playoff hopeful season that I think they were going for earlier. So, like I had kind of said before, you know, the weekends you kind of expect the least are usually when, you know, bigger things start to happen and kind of unfold. But we're going to dive right into the week eight kind of preview, go team by team and give quick thoughts, see what we think might happen. Starting off Saturday Noon, ABC, Syracuse on the road at Clemson. Now, if this game was in Syracuse, I'd say this could end up a little bit closer because Syracuse is just one of those weird places to play. It's one of the few domes in the college football sport, and we've seen good teams go up there and lose plenty of times. I don't think Syracuse has enough to complete p- compete with Clemson right now. Uh, I think Clemson is kind of ironing out their offensive woes. Granted, it's been against some teams that don't really have great defenses. Uh, I don't think Syracuse will be that defense to test them this week. You know, they've got Sean Tucker, who's a great running back. The quarterback, Garrett Schrader, has been playing, you know, pretty decent. So far, the defense has played pretty well for Syracuse, but they have not faced an offense of Clemson's caliber. DJU is playing a lot better. Will Shipley is an animal. And this Clemson front seven is probably a top five unit in the entire country. So Clemson favored by about two scores. I would say that's probably pretty accurate. I'd say Clemson probably wins somewhere in the 41-24 margin. 
Yeah, I mean, Syracuse is having a great season. I think they're still undefeated, right? Um, the running back is amazing. He's absolutely going off this year. If Clemson can put it all together, they're just a different animal. The defense is there, and I think it always will be. Like you said, this front seven is elite. I think it. I think the D line can compare to Georgia's last year. I don't know about the linebackers, but their linebackers are still great. Secondary is great. They're always going to have dudes. Will Shipley and DJU, if they can put it together, the sky's the limit for this Clemson team. I think, like we said last week, there's a whole lot of decent teams in college football, maybe good teams, but no great teams, as I've seen so far. I haven't really been impressed by anyone, honestly. So if they can put it, at, put it together at the right time, Clemson got a hot streak and maybe you see themselves going back to the playoffs just because how good this defense is. But DJU just has to be on his game and not shrink in the spotlight because if so, Syracuse would sneak up and beat him. Really, my thing with DJU this year is he's shown up and played better, but the cold streaks are really bad. He'll go, you know, slow starts, having a tough time reading the defense, you know, take some, some, bad pressure he seemed like he's willing to get out of the pocket more move around you know he did lose the weight and get a little bit more agile so maybe that's part of it but just the cold streaks i think are what got or what have me concerned right now if he can shake that and play like what he did that uh game against notre dame where he came in for trevor lawrence i think the sky's the limit for the kid he's super athletic he's got the arm talent and I think it's just his inability to make the proper throw because, I mean, he's thrown with touch plenty of times, and that's hard for a bigger guy. But he's just got to get that consistency under his belt, and I think he'd be a, a great quarterback in the sport. Yeah, the athletic tools are there. I mean, you see him. He's just a freak walking on the field, 6'5", 6'6", 240, 50 pounds, looks solid as a rock and can throw the football probably 70 yards effortlessly. It's just – the mind's not there. I think he gets scared. I think he has shown that plenty of times. He just can't make the right decision. Underthrows, overthrows, you name it, he's probably done it. And I don't think his offensive line has been the best, which I, Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson played behind. I think his offensive line's probably a little bit worse. But if he can figure it out in his mind, like you said, the sky's the limit for the kid because, honestly – he could probably play really bad the rest of his college career, still get drafted because he played quarterback at Clemson and all the athletics are there and somebody might just try and teach him the mind side of it. So if he can put it all together, he can be dangerous on the football field. Next up, we got UCLA on the road at Oregon. Oregon's favored by about a touchdown. After that embarrassing loss to Georgia, Oregon has looked good. Now, granted, they had to eke one out against Washington State, but we've seen Washington State's actually a pretty decent football team. Oregon coming off a bye week. UCLA also coming off a bye week, if I'm not uh, mistaken. UCLA beating Utah the week before. And besides that close win against South Alabama where they won by one, UCLA has beaten Washington and Utah. So I think this is a big-time game. I think this game is going to help keep the Pac-12 relevant. If this one can stay close – I think that's huge. USC-Utah was one of the most-watched games last weekend, obviously behind the Alabama-Tennessee game. If you can keep this one close, people are going to start getting a little bit more interested in West Coast football. I know you and I have brought that point up a, a bunch of times. But Oregon's proven that they're better than what they showed week one. UCLA with Chip Kelly and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's been in football for 37 years, it seems like. Um They've got a high-powered offense, and I think Oregon's defense is going to be up to the challenge. It's just what kind of Bo Nix are we going to get in this game? I just don't think the UCLA defense is good enough to make Bo be bad Bo. And there's enough talent on this Oregon team to help them out. In my opinion, the offensive line will be good enough against the UCLA front seven, which I don't think is all that great. Granted, they were able to kind of stop Utah every now and then, so it'll be interesting to see how that matchup goes. And I just don't think UCLA will be able to do enough against Oregon's defense at the end of the day uh, to take this one home. I'm going to go with Oregon. I think it can be close, but I'm going to go something with like 34-28. Oregon's been a different monster since week one, and I think we just don't know the full story. 
maybe it's just a week one woes or like maybe me you and dad have talked about kind of amongst ourselves while watching football is just did we really know what dan lanning was going to do that much and just game plan so well around it that we literally just out coached them and yeah i know we have great players but we just out coached them at the end of the day starting to honestly seem like it with how we've played and how well Oregon has played because they've been a different monster since that football game. Bo Nix playing relatively well. Defense, he has a better defense than he had at any time that he did at Auburn. He has the playmakers. Seven McGee is a great football player. And I just don't have faith in UCLA. Maybe that's just be, me being naive, but – I mean, you've seen them. They put up. They can put up tremendous amount of points. They can win the big games, but then sometimes they just randomly fall off, and then they're going six and four again, or five and five again. It's, they never really kind of keep their fairy tale alive. And I think when going up against this high tier of an opponent, I think they're just going to get stopped in their tracks. And I think Oregon's going to come ready to play. And like you said, if good Bo Nix. Fun Bo Nix, great to watch Bo Nix comes to play. There's a very high chance that you're not going to be Oregon because I think Bo Nix can be a good quarterback if you allow him to play that backyard football, let him go out there and just do him. But if you kind of put some control on Bo, Bo Nix's scrambling ability, it's going to be a long day for Oregon. But if good Bo Nix comes to play, I think UCLA gets stopped in their tracks and moves to 6-1. and one. Next, we got 3.30 CBS, Ole Miss on the road at LSU. I don't really know what to make of LSU this season. They're favored in this game, even though Ole Miss is undefeated and number seven in the country. So, what you got, man? I think they're just favored in this game because of what they did to Florida last week. They absolutely cursed on Florida. But like you said about LSU, I really don't know what to make of Florida this year either pull off an impressive win over Utah the first game of the season and have just sensed since then just disappeared. Anthony Richardson has gone into a shell and nobody else seems like they really want to play football for Florida. I think some dude on Instagram posted something to a story and was like, I hate this team or I don't want to play for this team or something like that. And it was taken down, but I just don't think it's a good situation at Florida right now. Tough woes for Billy Napier in his first year. I don't really see how LSU's favored. It's going to basically be offense against offense. And I know they put up 40 against Florida, but it just comes back to what we said. Kayshawn doesn't get involved. You're not going to continuous or continue these amazing offensive performances, especially going up against Ole Miss, who has had a pretty good defense so far this year. And their offense, of course, can put up points with – Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, Zach Evans, who's one of the best running backs in the country. Don't forget about that freshman kid, uh, Judkins, whatever his name is. He went off last week, too. So, so. it's like you said, it blows my mind that LSU's even favored in this game against an undefeated Ole Miss team who, led by Lane Kiffin, who's one of the most hilarious offensive minded coaches in football. I just don't think there's any chance that LSU pulls this one out. I think it could be a close game because it's going to be offense against offense, but I think Ole Miss pulls this one out. Ole Miss ran all over Auburn last week, and LSU struggled at times to move the ball on Auburn. That's my biggest thing right now since they have a common opponent that they've played recently. You know, LSU playing at home has shown that that's not as big of an advantage as what you think it might be as Tennessee absolutely blew the doors off of LSU at home. The Ole Miss offense I don't think is as good as Tennessee's, but I think they can be as good as Tennessee's at times. Like you said, Zach Evans is a monster. That Judkins kid is running all over the place, and Jackson Dart has gotten involved in the run game too. Plus you have guys like Jonathan Mingo and Michael Trigg to catch passes, and it's not like Zach Evans can't catch them either. The Ole Miss defense has played really good at times. They've also played really bad at times. But they were good enough to stop the Kentucky power offense. So, I, I don't see why LSU is favored uh, in this one. But then again, crazy stuff happens on down weeks. Uh, I think it's a closer game than what could possibly happen. But I still go Ole Miss. They've proven more than enough that they can win this football game. 
you know, I think it get higher scoring because LSU just is hot and cold on offense, and this will probably be one where they're just hot for whatever reason. And if they can get Kayshawn Butte involved, I think it could turn into a shootout. So let me take Ole Miss 41-31, but I just I don't see in why in the world LSU would be favored at all. Next up, we got Texas at Oklahoma State. This is on ABC 330. Texas is favored by six. Uh, Oklahoma State coming off the rough loss. Texas having to eke one out against Iowa State. Uh, I think this could actually be one of the better games of the weekend, in my opinion. Uh, Interested to see what you think. Yeah, I think this one can come down to a field goal. I think like we both said and have reiterated and we'll probably keep saying, depending on what this game proves, Quinn Ewers has just been something different at Texas, and he's finally getting to show off what he couldn't at Ohio State. Like I said, close one against Iowa State. Iowa State is sneaky good sometimes. Great competitor, I think. Remind me of Purdue a little bit. Just always going to come to play. It's just if they can, if Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy have that connection like they did in the Alabama game, you're not going to stop them. And this Texas defense I know isn't great. But I think they'll make more stops against the Oklahoma State offense than the Oklahoma State defense will make against Texas. I think it could turn into a shootout with how good these offenses are. But if Texas, Texas' big three can be clicking on all cylinders, I think they can run away with this one potentially, especially on how Spencer Sanders plays. If you get bad Spencer Sanders, this team's going to fall off and be in the dirt by the second quarter. So I'm gonna I'm gonna choose Texas and gonna rely on the big three that they're clicking that day, and I think they could pull out a huge win. I think the big thing is how Texas's defense is playing compared to Oklahoma State's defense. Now, granted, Texas playing against Oklahoma, who didn't have Dylan Gabriel, Texas playing against Iowa State, who's not the same on offense now that Brock Purdy is gone, Brees Hall is gone. Uh, Texas, however, did play a really good defensive game against Alabama. And granted, this is on the road, and Stillwater can be a hard place to play for Oklahoma State. Um, but the big three for Texas, like you said, are going to be really important in this game. Spencer Sanders just seems like it's been he's been carrying it all on his own, and I don't think he can continue that. With Texas's performance of what they've done with Quinn Ewers on the football field, I just got to lean on Texas. I think this one actually turns out to be uh, a really good football game. I think it does stay decently low scoring, not too, nothing too crazy. I'm going to say something like 33-28 Texas. You know, Texas gets a field goal late to get that five-point lead, and Oklahoma State tries to drive and get seven, something like that. I just have too much faith in how Texas has played with Quinn Ewers on the field, even if they are away, but they're going to have to earn it against a really good Oklahoma State team. Next up. We've got Mississippi State on the road at Alabama. Alabama coming off the rough loss. Alabama's favored by 21, and usually what we see after an Alabama loss is they come ready to play. They're playing at home. Nick Saban's going to be pissed. The team is going to be pissed. I think this one could get ugly. Mississippi State comes off a rough game against Kentucky last week themselves, so maybe they're a little bit more motivated to play this one. But Mississippi State's just been all over the place. What do you think? It's just what Alabama defense we get. If Will Anderson can be a factor and shut Will Rogers down, I don't really think this is a game at all. But they just rely so much on their offense because it's just throw the ball. I know they have a pretty good defense, but their offense just throw the football everywhere. And if you're allowing Will Anderson to get pressure constantly and can make you run the football, which – you don't do too often. It's going to shut this Mississippi State defense or team down in general. And Bryce Young's going to do what he does against any defense. I mean, he picked apart our twenty twenty defense or not twenty twenty our twenty twenty one defense. I'm not just going to say easily, but I mean he did a pretty good. And that's the C championship game. He did yeah, it easily. Say. So I mean he's proven that he can do it against great defenses. It's just if they can eliminate their off, uh, Mississippi State's offense, and like you said, if they come in with a 
pissed off mentality, anger mentality, you're not going to stop this Bama team. They're going to absolutely steamroll over you. I'm going to have to take Bama. I don't know about 21. I'd say it could probably be in anywhere from like 15 to 20. I'd say something like that just because that is a possibility with Mississippi State to put up a whole lot of points. But I won't be surprised if it's more than that with the if Alabama can play at their level. So give me Alabama and a pretty good victory. So the thing that really gets me about this one is the 21-point spread. That's that's really making me kind of question what to think about this game because teams not named Utah State, not UL Monroe, and not Vanderbilt, Arkansas is the only team Bama has beaten by double digits. They have the one-point win against Texas. They have the four-point win against Texas A&M, who we don't really know what they are now either. They obviously lose to Tennessee. They're just not pulling away from teams like we've seen Alabama do before. And if not for a huge run by Jalen Milrow, which I think kind of changed the atmosphere of that Alabama-Arkansas game, I think Arkansas could have stayed in that a little bit more because Arkansas's offense, if you get ahead, it's kind of like the old option offense. It's just really hard to get back into a game. Mississippi State's defense is hard to defend against. They've got that weird 3-3-5. They randomly play super well all the time, and it seems like Alabama and Mississippi State always seem to be in a dogfight for whatever reason. I don't know if Mississippi State just has Alabama's number every year to where they make them earn it. I don't know. But Will Rogers, even though he's a good quarterback, I just don't think Bama's going to let this one slip through their fingers after a, a really big-time loss. You know, they've had consistent success against Tennessee, and to drop that one, you got to know the team's disappointed. Uh, I think this is one is really, really close, and maybe Alabama's able to pull away le- way, way late. Um, but until Alabama is showing that they can pull away, and this is for every team, and I, I stand by this, I am. Uh, you got to prove it to me before I believe it. I just want to see Alabama pull away from somebody that's decent on both sides of the ball, and they just haven't been able to do that just yet, except for Arkansas. So I'm with you. I think Alabama wins, but I think Mississippi State's going to give them all they got. I'm going to say Alabama will probably wins 38-28, something like that, maybe a 10-point win because – it's just it's a different Bama than we're used to this year. I don't know what it is, but they're just different. And I'll believe that until I see otherwise. Next up we got the primetime slot, Minnesota on the road at Penn State, ABC seven thirty. Penn State's favored by four and a half. Got their butts handed to them last week by Michigan. Minnesota did just lose to Illinois, however. But Illinois is ranked the highest they've been in years. They're 6-1 and one right now, I believe. Uh, Brett Bielema has done a great job at Illinois. Don't want to sell that short. This is such a weird matchup for me to try and kind of iron out. Penn State's just not looked good. But this is prime time at Penn State. Penn State plays better at home. I find it hard to believe that they lose this game. Minnesota, even though they have Mo Ibrahim, who you and I love, and Tanner Morgan has been a consistently good quarterback in college football for a long, long time. You know, maybe Minnesota can keep it close, but I think Penn State's got a lot of anger to take out in this one. Uh, the only thing that I think gives Minnesota a chance is they do have – Penn State does have Ohio State next week, so maybe they're looking ahead a little bit. But Penn State just plays better at home. Give me Penn State. I say they win by about 10 to 13, maybe even 14 points. Uh, But Minnesota probably keeps it close early. In our first disagreement of this podcast, I think I'm going to crazily go Minnesota. Like you said, it's tough going against Penn State at home. That atmosphere is just absolutely crazy. We've both talked about it. People that we know, we've talked to about it. There's no atmosphere like going to a wideout. I doubt this game is going to be a wideout, but just the atmosphere that Penn State has when they go all out, it's just absolutely electric. But if Mo Ibrahim shows up like the way he did when they played Ohio State and he was just going absolutely off, Penn State just doesn't have a chance. I love Mo Ibrahim. 
He's a great running back. I think the ground game dominates. I don't think Penn State can really stop it. I, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards ran all over him. I know Michigan's offensive line, I think, won the uh, all, the best offensive line last year. They have great dudes on there. I don't know how well Minnesota's offensive line is, but Mo Ibrahim's a great running back. I think he's better than Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, my opinion, maybe hot take. I have no idea. But I think the ground game is just going to dominate, and I think he's going to carry him to a win. Last of the primetime games, and then we'll kind of hit some high points on some other ones here and there. Kansas State on the road at TCU. This is on FS1, 8 o'clock. TCU favored by three and a half. I'm really interested to see the outcome of this game. Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez are running wild this year. This offense has been super high-powered with uh, Adrian Martinez at the helm. But TCU has proven time and time again they're ready for challenges, and they are playing at home in a primetime slot. TCU's just played excellent football back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks, and I don't think Kansas State has any body on defense that's going to be ready for Quentin Johnston. Max Duggan, like I said before, is playing really, really well. I think TCU keeps the undefeated streak going. Kansas State just coming off a bye week does make me question that just a little bit. Um, And the hot streak that they've been on, you know, I don't know what it is about Adrian Martinez, but the man just – he tore apart Oklahoma. He's torn apart a couple of teams this year, and I think that – he can uh, he can easily carry them to a win. I'm not sure if they have any you know common opponents besides Oklahoma. I think TCU's played Oklahoma so far. Um, yeah, so TCU actually gets about the same margin of victory over. No, they actually win by more. So. I guess that solidifies my pick in TCU. And like I said, this one's at home at night. And TCU actually can get pretty loud. Um, I'm going to rock with TCU when they find a way to shut down Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, I'm going to have to take TCU. Then win against Oklahoma State was just a big shot for me with that good of an offense that they shut down. And their defense, honestly, just played crazy good. So – I'll take TCU. I know you said he's playing good, but I'm just not a big fan of Adrian Martinez. Just couldn't – even though Nebraska's a dumpster fire, he just couldn't get it done there. I know he's playing way better than he did at Nebraska. But at the end of the day, I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Don't have too much faith in him. Deuce Vaughn's a great player. Maybe I'll get – hey, I don't know. But at the end of the day, he's still like 5'8". I know he's a great running back, but I don't know. I just don't have a ton of faith in a 5'8 running back or however small he is. I know he's a great player, but I think TCU just wins this one. All right, finish up. Just kind of hit some other games that might be of note you might want to pay attention to as the week <clears throat> as the weekend goes on. Noon on Fox, Iowa at Ohio State. I think Ohio State wins this one easy, but I think Iowa's defense may challenge them early. Ohio State's offense has shown that they can put up fireworks, and Iowa has shown absolutely zero on offense. They're terrible. My thing is Ohio State just hasn't played anyone at all. Notre Dame, obviously, is a lot worse than what we expected to begin the season. They gave, you know, they let Toledo score 21 on them, and Toledo's not really a good group of five team. You know, Wisconsin and all their woes put up 21, and you win big over Rutgers like you should, and a Michigan State team that's reeling put up 20. Ohio State's offense is going to do fine, but maybe they struggle a little bit looking ahead to Penn State early on in the game. But this one's just going to be over before it even starts. Give me Ohio State big, but maybe not by the 29 by their favored. I think it's just the game – of two just completely two different eras of college football. I think with Iowa, you're seeing the 1990s, the early 2000s version of college football. We're not going to throw it that much. We're going to try to run the football, and we have a great defense. Ohio State, you're seeing 
what probably started happening around 2018, 2017, something like that. We're going to throw the crap out of the football. We're going to get our running backs involved in the pass game, and we're going to have a pretty good defense to back it up. But really, we're, we're coming out here to score points and put up yards. And Iowa just does not have a good offense at all. Their quarterback is absolutely atrocious. I know they've had success the past few years doing it. It's it's not working anymore. You need to stop doing it. And hopefully a blowout win by Ohio State convinces them to change it. But I don't know how much change you're going to do with if you still have the same head coach for 20 years or however long he's been there. 12 o'clock, ESPN2, Kansas on the road at Baylor. Baylor's, Baylor's favored in this one. Their quarterback went down last week. Uh I actually kind of like Kansas in this one. I think they can get back in the swing of things. I don't think Jalen uh, Daniels is back healthy just yet, but the Kansas offense is going to be enough to where they can challenge Baylor in this one. I'm rooting for Kansas. If they can get to 6-2 and two right here, that would be huge for the program going forward. Um, like I said, Kansas technically isn't out of the Big 12 race just yet. they got to keep winning and have some other things kind of fall their way. But uh, they've proven multiple times that they can they can challenge teams. So by no means do I think this is an easy Baylor win. I'm going to go with Kansas maybe by a field goal, maybe two. Uh, but I think Kansas has more than enough to win this football game. I'm not a big fan of Baylor. Like you said, it's awesome watching Kansas have a glory season and show out. Kansas's quarterback has proven that he can – make the throws, play a pretty decent game, even though it's not Jalen Daniels. I'm going to pick them just purely on I want them to win more than I do Baylor. I want them to continue to have their amazing season that they're having. I don't know if they do win this football game, but just purely out of my heart and just want pure want of them to win this football game, I'm going to pick them. But wouldn't be surprised if Baylor wins this football game, but like you said, it's going to be a close one. I hope Kansas pulls it out, but I think it can go either way. 3.30 ESPN, Purdue on the road at Wisconsin. Wisconsin had has had a really rough season, but they are favored in this game. This is at Wisconsin, so, again, one of those places it can be hard to play at. Purdue 5-2 and two after a tough loss to Penn State to start the year. They have a chance to get to 6-2, and two, which would be huge for them. I actually think that would put them in second place if I'm not mistaken, in the Big Ten West, which is huge for this program. Uh, not sure who the other loss was to right off the top of my head. Syracuse, who's undefeated right now, so that's not in conference. So that would actually tie them with Illinois, who they have to play in a couple of weeks, which is, again, huge for this program. Purdue's got a shot to go to the Big, 12, uh, Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin's offense is just terrible, and I think Purdue's defense can do enough to slow them down. Besides Braylon Allen, we already know what Graham Mertz is, and it's not great. And Wisconsin's defense also is not the best. Plus, Wisconsin's fired their coach. So, you got to think of how much this team really will be fighting this year. I'm going to go Purdue all the way. I don't think they pull away from this game because I just don't think Purdue has the depth or are that much of a better team than really anybody they'll face this year besides some of the obviously lower-tier teams. Uh, give me Purdue in a seven-point win. Not shocking at all. I'm also going to have to take Purdue. I think me and you have both kind of made it known that we're Purdue homers on this podcast. Like you said, Wisconsin hasn't been good at all this year. I don't even honestly know how well Braylon Allen's playing. <laughs> I know he's an athletic freak. He's a great running back, but there's it's just tough to carry a football team on your own, especially at running back when, I mean, you can't decide if you're getting the football or not. You can't decide if your offensive line is going to make good blocks or not. So, And especially with how it is now, if you get down early, you just can't run the football anymore to catch up or else you're just going to get blown out constantly. So I think Purdue – wins this football game. They have great history of winning games that maybe they shouldn't have or maybe close games. And Wisconsin is just a dumpster fire right now. So give me Purdue. 7.30 SEC Network, Texas A&M on the road at South Carolina. South Carolina is 4-2. and two. 
Like, what? They beat Kentucky. They obviously have the loss to Georgia. Shane Beamer just continues to shock me. I, I don't know what to what to think. I really don't. You know, they also lose to Arkansas, who at the time we thought was pretty good, but that was still only a two-score loss. This team consistently plays with thought. They're going to go out there, and they're going to give you their best shot week after week. And the fact that uh, South Carolina's 4-2 and two is a testament to what kind of team this is. The A&M defense, I think, is just going to be eventually too much for the South Carolina team to handle. Uh, I think South Carolina drops their third loss. I think this could be very close because no matter if it's Haynes King, Max Johnson at quarterback, the A&M offense just is not high-powered enough to, to really pull away from teams. A&M's favored by three. If they do win, I think that's probably about right. I'd say they probably win by a field goal, maybe two at the best. I am going to go A&M, but this is on the road at South Carolina. This is a very far trip for A&M. And, again, Shane Beamer gets the most out of his guys, but still got to rock with A&M. I love Shane Beamer. I don't love Spencer Rattler. He's just proven that he's not a good quarterback. Yeah, like you said, they beat Kentucky. I don't know how. He's just proven over and over and over again. He's not a good quarterback. He's not the guy. Just to reiterate, love Shane Beamer. Gets amazing out of his guys. He's a great dude, and he's proven that in interviews. Like you said, Texas A&M has an amazing defense. They have amazing playmakers. It just hasn't clicked at the quarterback position yet. I know they played a few close games. Haynes King almost brought them to a win against Alabama, and I think that just attests to this isn't the same Alabama team that we've seen in past years because I, I didn't watch the full game, but from what I heard, Haynes King played an absolutely horrendous game, and that game was still – I can't remember if it was decided by a field goal or less than a touchdown or something. I think it was – they were driving down the field, and that was the horrendous uh, last call of the game. But I had faith in Max Johnson. I think the offense worked better with him at quarterback. But like you said, it's still nothing special. I'm going to have to take Texas A&M just purely off of how little I like Spencer Rattler and his ability to run this offense. I think Texas A&M defense makes the plays that they need to. In whichever quarterback's in, I have faith in them enough that they can get the ball to A-Chain and that just let him run wild. So give me a text sign him. Last one I'll mention, not a huge profile matchup, but one I'll probably be paying attention to just because of a couple of players. APM SEC Network, Pitt on the road at Louisville. Pitt, 4-2. and two. You know, obviously tough loss to Tennessee and a really bad loss to Georgia Tech. Um, otherwise, 4-2. and two. Coming off a of bye week, nothing crazy on offense, but their running back is amazing. I think he has like 12 scores this year already. He's a really good running back, and against the Louisville defense, he'll probably have a field day. So that's why I think this could end up being a pretty fun football game to watch because neither of the defenses are all that great. And Malik Cunningham, man, you know, he's not going to wow you too much throwing the football. But the guy's just electric with the ball in his hands. And I think this pit defense is going to be a time that he can absolutely show out. Uh, I think Malik Cunningham is the best player on either of these teams. So I think that's what I'm going to lean into. I think Louisville can pull this one off. Uh, it's crazy to see how much different this pit team is without Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. You know, you hate to say one or two players makes a team, but it seems like that's the case. I mean, Pitt's beating who they're supposed to, but that loss to Georgia Tech is just not something that would have happened last year. So give me Louisville, and I think Malik Cunningham has a field day. Yeah, like you said, it just sucks to see where they've fallen. I'm not going to say I'm surprised by it because you lose Kenny Pickett, who was there four or five years, Jordan Addison, who – was supposed to be the best wide receiver in football, which I put in air quotes because I don't think he was. I think truly that award goes to Dylan Bell or Jamison Williams. I don't think Jordan Addison – I know he played great. I don't think he's the best wide receiver, and I think he's proven that at USC. I think Jamison Williams it probably goes to more just because of the high profile and what he did to, honestly, Georgia in the SEC championship game and what he did in the playoffs. But like I said, their Pitts running back has been electric. But other than that, 
it's just been downhill since the first game. Losing to Georgia Cup, Georgia Tech is horrendous and embarrassing. And like you said, just Malik Cunningham is just a different, honestly, type of breed of quarterback that we're seeing in college. Like Malik Cunningham, Michael Penix, Malik Willis, uh, Lamar Jackson. Honestly, uh, who was the guy that we were supposed to get a few years ago? John Ross Plumley, who can even Joe Adrian, Adrian Martinez, Adrian Martinez, even Joe Burrow. I know he's not as athletic as the other guys, but just these guys that can make plays with their feet and then just throw the crap out of the football and just make plays and who are absolutely electric. He's one of those guys, and he you just have a feeling when he steps on the field, he's can make every single play that you need him to, and he's going to go win you a football game. And that's just how I feel right now against this pit defense. So give me Louisville. That'll wrap up week eight. Like we said, not a whole lot of meat on this bone, but it always seems like a bear's lurking whenever the week seems easy. I think week nine will bring us a lot more fruit, a lot more, you know, higher profile matchups, a lot more games to kind of talk about that will be of interest. But week eight, nonetheless, is a weekend of college football, and it's better than not having it. So I'm really excited to see these matchups unfold. Uh, See if anything crazy comes of the weekend. Obviously, Georgia doesn't play, so you and I will be stress-free this weekend, which will be nice. But uh, just to kind of wrap up the episode and put a bow on it, big dog of the week from week seven. I already know who yours is going to be, so I'll let you go first. I think it's actually just got to be you. I mean, it's... It's a struggle to pick between Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. Just go with Jalen Hyatt. I know you want to. I, was, I do, but at the same time, Hendon Hooker played an insane football game. But then, I mean, Jalen Hyatt literally had, at one point, he had four catches, 100-something yards, and five touchdowns. He absolutely carved up this Alabama defense, which I think their secondary is great. I think that's the strongest point of their defense. They have returning starter after returning starter, high-profile player after high-profile player. five – future you know top two three rounds picks littered all over that db field defensive backfield so they have great safeties great corners and he just did whatever he wanted to all game and i know it's probably a hot take but i've told you this repeatedly i think he's a better receiver than cedric tillman i don't know scared to think what will happen when he comes back i i I think he kind of proved it this week but Jalen Hyatt will have to be my big dog of the week. Uh, I would really like to say the same thing, and I would also like to say Hendon Hooker, but I'm not going to just because I think I think we'll have to retire Hendon Hooker because of the season he's having. He's just going to have a good week after good week. That's just where he's at now. In my opinion, I think he needs to be the Heisman front runner. I don't care how well C.J. Stroud has played. Hasn't played anybody. If this is the best college football player nationwide, award i think there are two guys above the rest right now who deserve it more than anyone and you cannot convince me otherwise that's hendon hooker and that's drake may they're the by far best players on their football team i think north carolina would be an absolute trash can without drake may and i think tennessee would be fine but they are not beating alabama without hendon hooker no matter how good jalen hyatt is if the Heisman is what it says it is, those two are the best players, and they make their team insurmountably better. Um, I am not, however, going to give my big dog of the week to Drake May. Sorry for the tangent. I'm going with Blake Corum. He put that entire Michigan offense on his back. Penn State's defense is always naturally good, and they couldn't do anything to stop him. Granted, that comes a lot from the offensive line. But by halftime, he already had 20 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. That says enough for me. I think the guy is backpacking this offense right now, and I think he's going to continue to do so. He's a great running back. I think Donovan Edwards could actually be better, shockingly enough. Uh, But right now, he's just – he's that dude on their team, and I think he will continue to be until somebody – makes them earn it. So give me Blake Corum and that great performance he had against Penn State. And golly, man, I cannot wait to see them play against Ohio State. But like I said, that'll wrap us up for week eight. 
please check us out on Facebook, read the roster on Twitter at read the roster, check out the show, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, please interact with us as these games are going down. We want to hear everybody's thoughts and opinions. Please react to stuff here on the show. We want everybody's opinions about what we have to say as far as the reactions and our previews. We know everybody's going to have different opinions and being able to talk about them is why college football is the best sport on the planet because you really can't have a varying opinion and you never know what's going to happen week to week. So thank you, everybody, for your continued support. Thank you for fighting through uh, with us. Hopefully the technical difficulties are over. I will try and get our last week's episodes posted along with these. That way you have some to catch up with. And we'll talk to you guys soon.